<laughs> you guys hear me okay? There we go, there we go. Okay, I'm a little, little taller, so. I'm pretty familiar with music stands. Um, good morning, family, church. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to tell you a little bit um, about something that's very dear to my heart and something that I know that is very basic. If you've spent any time in a church, grown up, even if you have not, it's a very common religious thing to do. And I'm going to talk about prayer today. Um, and I'm going to talk about the power of prayer more specifically, because there is power in prayer. Uh, so. I want you to prepare yourself and ask yourself before I start, how is my prayer life? How am I connecting to God? I want you to be thinking about that and let's start off in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being our dad. Thank you so much for loving us despite us. Thank you so much for caring for us like no one else can. God, I pray for each person that's here today. I pray that you would speak to their heart. Father, I pray that you would speak to them in a way they can understand. I pray that they will grow closer and closer to you and look more like your son, Jesus. Father, I know that even amongst us right now, there are needs. There are people who are here depending, leaning on you. God, and I don't know what all the, all the needs are, but I know you know. And I pray that you would meet their need. I pray that you would meet them where they're at. I want to pray specifically uh, for Jason Mills and his swimming accident for a speedy recovery. God, I pray that um, nothing was hurt too seriously and I pray that we would see him back healthy and well. I pray for um, Scott Achia. God, I pray that this cancer treatment um, would be successful as he undergoes a chemo hotshot. God, I pray it would be effective and God, that you would heal him. God, I pray, God, for so many people who are hurting who have lost loved ones. God, I pray for people who are visiting for the first time, whatever it took to get to him, them here. Lord, I pray that it would be well worth it. God, I pray that you would change their life like you've changed ours. Thank you so much for your son. Thank you so much for the ability to dream and think about the things that matter to you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You know, four years ago when I became a disciple, um, I was in a much different state. When I came onto a stage, it was all about me. I was a musician. I wanted to be the best in so many things, um, and I was totally miserable. When you focus too much on yourself, you go one way. <laughs> I fail, but Jesus doesn't. So when I became a disciple, a lot had to change. Now, I remember the, people, the brothers who were studying with me um, mentioned one scripture uh, in James 5, 16, talking about the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. All right, Brian, he knows it. But you know what? I said, I've heard that scripture. I grew up in a church. I grew up religious. I've heard that before. What's the big deal? Yeah, 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 I get it. Well, even four years later, even now as I stand here, this is something I have to fight, not only to remember, but to maintain a healthy prayer life. And so God's been really um, bringing me back to basics. It's not so complicated. Right. It's not a big mystery. It's simple. And he's teaching me how to have a healthy prayer life. So I want to share that with you today and ask you guys to join me on this journey. Um, 
you know, you probably notice I'm not Steve Marici, I'm not Brian Craig, I'm not Marco Pelizzeri, I'm not an elder. Um, so I don't do this very often, but I do believe I have something to share today. Um, and I, and I want to share a little bit about me so you understand what vantage point I'm coming from. Because for a long, for 25 years of my life, I thought God just made me this big confused individual. You know, jack of all trades or master of none, depending on how you look at it. And um, I just grew up in this state of confusion. The world said I had everything that I wanted, but I was just feeling so alone until I found Jesus. And so I just want to read a list. I, had, I was applying for jobs recently, and I had to write a resume of all the things that I've, I've done. And I want to share with you for a reason. So I was a pianist. I worked in international freight forwarding. Um, I did research on MRSA and hospital-acquired diseases in the 90s, real estate agent, tax accountant, music history lecturer, theater coach, conductor, opera singer, medical assistant, research associate, behavior analyst, more sales jobs than I care to remember, retail associate, study with the rabbi, attended a Baptist seminary, culinary critic, foster care advocate, and, and caretaker for a terminally ill adoptive mother. Um, and that's, that's, what, that's what I can remember. And I'm sharing that with you because I've, I've, I've seen a lot of different areas of society and I tried my hardest to find a place where I belonged. And it wasn't until I became a disciple did God simplify my life, because now I just follow Jesus. It's, it's easy. It's not so complicated. And part of that walk is, is and I'm here to tell you, FYI, it's, I've never been bored <laughs> as a disciple. I've never had a boring, there's never been a shortage of things um, that Christ will continue to grow and allow us to do. And South Bay Church has been, has been my home. But what I've learned is if there's anything we as a church, anything we as individuals should be, could be known for, I would like to be known as a man of prayer. And Jesus not only, uh, at all the things we think about, he was not only a healer and he was... Um, he did all these miracles. He cared for the poor. He had an awesome prayer life. And I think there's a secret in that that fueled him that we're going to talk about. So we're going to do some investigative work. We're going to do a survey of Jesus' prayer life. And we're going to look at our lives and see where they overlap, see what's different, see what we can take from the person we follow. Um, I have a I, have a, I saw on the internet, I saw a, a slogan from another church that said, you know, the, a family that prays together stays together. And many of you have, have seen this or probably maybe heard this before, but it hit me like a ton of bricks because I spend a lot of time thinking and dreaming and trying to figure out things. But I, I think there's, there's, there's a golden nugget in being able to pray together whether it's your personal family or whether it's our church body family, there's something special about praying together. And my hope is that God's word would speak to you this morning. If you don't have a prayer life and if you've, you don't know what that's about, you'll learn something. And if you do that, you would see where God's calling you to take you to the next level. Because even Jesus, until he died, was constantly growing and depending and leaning on God in prayer. Um, so let's take a look at a couple examples of the New Testament. Prayer alone... It's pretty radical. It's pretty powerful. Now, I, did, I gave you three examples out of so many that I could have chosen. Um, it says in, in Acts 12, 
We know that prayer helped deliver Peter from prison. The people prayed for him and the chains fell off. We know that in Luke 9, Jesus dedicated and he lifted up this little lunch sack of food and fed over, what, 5,000 people with leftovers. We know in Acts 16, Paul prayed and sang in prison and God delivered them while there was an earthquake. There's so many things that were accomplished by prayer. And yet to have this tool at our disposal, um, I think it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's not, I'm not proud of the fact that this is not a, the strongest area for me. This is something I need to grow in. How could something so powerful, so basic, be so hard to maintain? Listen to this quote. Quiet moments of prayer might seem, seem unimportant, unimportant among the urgent events of life. Yet to our souls, it's vital nourishment. So I got up this morning and I had coffee and I had oatmeal nice. and my computer kind of crashed and so I had to fix some things to get this together. But I, had, I knew if I didn't eat, <laughs> I was going to be no good. I was going to be hurting up here. Uh, but that's the nourishment I need physically. But prayer is a spiritual nourishment. If you've ever been to a third world country or a place where they don't have proper nourishment, you see the effects that it has. You see the effects people have when they don't have the proper minerals, vitamins, nutrition. They may have some type of food, but it's not properly balanced. It doesn't meet all the needs. And so you may say, I'm doing great in all these areas. But if this one area is off, I challenge you today. Think about your prayer life. He says, we won't find ourselves at the bottom of God's priority list just because the world is full of needs that seem more dramatic or visible. Well, what does Satan tell us? There's other things that are more important. You know, I, I really got to figure out this situation at home. I really got to figure out this job situation, this family situation. It's so important for me to talk with my spouse on these specific times that, you know, my prayer life can be put on back burner. But that's what Satan tells us. Our lives are so busy, we forget to do the thing that matters most. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but take a look at Matthew 21. With faith and prayer, God wants to answer it. Let's do, a little, let's do a little breakdown. So what is prayer? This is taken from Adrian Rogers. Um, prayer is dependency on God. It's saying, I need you. Prayer is for us. God, God knows what we need even before we pray for it. So when I don't pray, I'm hurting myself. It's, it's, it's saying, God, I'm, I'm fooling myself to think that I don't really need you today. I can, I can get back with you tomorrow or next week or when I meet up with my buddy. God uses prayer to develop and mature us. When we pray, God is growing us. This may sound a little different, so, so think with your lens of faith. But have you ever prayed for something? It hasn't been answered right away. And in the moment, it feels terrible. God, where are you? Why didn't this work out? I don't understand it. I don't get it. Six months later, where are you still? I'm still trying. But you know what? In due season, your faith grows. 
there's something special about depending on God. And he knows that we need to constantly be reminded, no matter how strong we get or how great we're doing in a season, Impress God, right? The Bible records of different types of things people use to impress God. The Pharisees and religious leaders were very popular. Well, you know what? It's easy for me to say right now that, you know what, that was back then. But I've, I've learned a really tough lesson this last maybe year. Um, even in my own heart, even in my own sinful nature, I, I can try to impress God with the things that I do or the things that I feel are right. I can be very self-righteous or feel like, well, since I've been doing this for this amount of time, then therefore, and you fill in the blank. We don't do it to impress God. Um, you don't have to use a certain type of language. You don't have to have a certain type of vernacular. The Bible talks of groans as being prayer. There's no, there's no poetry book that says this is exactly how you have to do it. In fact, God calls us his father, his dad. Many of you that have kids, I don't have kids, so I'm going to speak to people who do. Um, you know what it's like as your, as your kids grow up and they go through different stages of development, how they begin to speak, how their personality develops, how they begin to communicate, changes. And when they're an infant or when they're a toddler, it's a lot different than when they're an adolescent or preteen or a teen. But it doesn't mean you don't care about them or you don't try to understand what they're trying to communicate when they're that young. God is the same way with us. He can sense when something's off. He can sense when something's bothering you. Even the littlest thing off spiritually concerns him. He just wants you to depend on him. We don't pray to inform God. He already knows, even before we pray it. That's what prayer, prayer is not. Um, I'm convinced that God is more concerned about our, the conditioning of our heart and our posture towards him than anything else. He wants our hearts to be soft and pliable and to be able to be um, more concerned about others' needs. And we'll talk about more about that later. And so I thought it would be fair to look now more specifically at the life of Jesus and see what we can learn from him in his prayer life. Because he had an awesome prayer life. Um, one that I'm trying, to, I'm trying to adopt certain things, but I want to share some things that I've learned. Most often with Jesus, I hear about him, or this is how I grew up, of him being a good shepherd. So this is kind of the image that I portrayed and thought of of Jesus. Um, he takes care of his flock, and he does. He does an awesome job at it. He looks after us. He, he, he's mindful of us. Or maybe he heals us. He, he delivers us from so much. He could bail me out. He's done so many things. He, he's a healer. Or my favorite one, he's a warrior. For the guys out there, Jesus is a warrior. He was tough. He didn't just back down and, and, and take what was given to him. 
he fought for what he believed in. But he was also a man of prayer. And I believe this was his tool that he used to stay close to his father, to remind himself, even when he was going through emotional challenges, to persevere to the end. Uh, Take a look at Hebrews 5 with me. It says that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Now, this was written after Jesus had already ascended. But wasn't this a great picture or thing to remember him by? It says prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to God. If I'm, if I'm honest, I'm, I don't, I'm not always so desperate for God's help or his attention. Even the Son of Man who could have stopped all of this was desperate to get time with his father in prayer, was desperate to pray for his disciples. Listen to these quotes. It says, talking to men for God is a great thing, but talking to God for men is greater still. What's he saying? Ian Bounds. He's saying that having your time with God should take priority over what you do for him. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer says, God, I need you to do everything. I'm just a vessel. You're the one doing it all. I've seen many men work without praying, though I've never seen any good come out of it. I love this quote. But I've never seen a man pray without working. James Hudson Taylor. I love it because you know what? If you're praying and you're sincere, God's going to give you something to do. He's going to find something for you to do. But if you just want to work without him, you, you kind of don't really need him. You can find lots of great charities and great groups and things to do in this society. I get emails all the time from um, people asking me to, to, you know, go and maybe do a benefit concert for foster care awareness and, or animal rights or you name it. You've gotten them too. And maybe you participate in some of them at work. And I think those things are all great. I think these things are awesome. But there's something special about what we do because it requires faith. Our, the, church is, the church is different. And Christ knew that, and he made the distinction very clearly. He says, I know it's a, it's a group. It's an organization. Paul talks about it. But it's, it's based off of faith, and we can't forget that. Without faith, we've lost it all. Luke 11, 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Well, what do we learn from this passage? It's probably not the most natural thing to just wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to pray. One disciple said, teach us how to pray. And so we learn from Jesus that part of us praying and part of us being that family that prays together is also the precedent and the example we set for this is what we're about. I believe Jesus prayed for lots of reasons. One of them being to set an example, hey disciples, 
Don't forget, in everything you do, we're depending on the Father. That's one reason. He, he prayed for other people. He said, um, he said in Matthew 19, the little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. We pray for each other. We pray for other people. Jesus was great at that. He also, he also prayed alone. Sometimes he would ask his disciples to pray and they wouldn't. He would go off and pray by himself. No matter what, at the end of the day, he went off and he prayed. Now, I'm not, I don't do that. Sometimes I want someone and I need someone or I feel like I need this or this situation has to be just perfect for me to be able to go do this. Anybody ever been there? Or you felt like the situation's got to be perfectly aligned. I got to get off work at a certain time. If I'm in rush hour, then if the kids give me a hard time, then I'm going to be tired. Well, Jesus always prayed no matter what. He found a way. He found a way to pray. Um, so me just a second, kind of lost my page here. There we go. He prayed in nature. Um, he went out to the mountains often to go pray. And something I want to focus on, the last point of Jesus' prayer life, we know he prayed regularly, he prayed often, but he also prayed for God's will. I think that's the hardest part of it all. God, I want your will. Uh, you take a look at him in Gethsemane, in the garden. He knows he's about to die. You have his, his, his comrades, you have the disciples, you have his boys following him. They're like, I'll do anything for you. <laughs> Just name it. It won't be me. I won't betray you, Peter says. I won't do anything. While Judas is secretly already plotting to turn him in. And out of all the things Jesus could have asked for, said, highlighted, told us about, he says, what I really want the most from you is to stay up and pray. And the third time after going back and trying to get him to come with him, it says that he noticed him sleeping. And he says that he noticed that they weren't, able to do it. And I don't, know, I don't know about you, but if you think you're human nature, last night I had a hard time sleeping knowing I was going to be up here. And, um, and, and one of the reasons is I said, you know, I need sleep. I don't have as much sleep as I would like, so I, I got to find a way to sleep because that'll somehow make this better or give me more strength or whatever and make me feel more confident. Well, I like how Jesus said, despite physically what you need, what you need more is your spiritual strength. What you need more is to pray. And that's what I need from you guys right now. And I don't know if you've ever felt like one of the disciples or felt like one of the followers who's, who's kind of like dropped the ball, like, like me, where you've said, oh, you know what? I know I should do this, but I, but I haven't. Or I don't. Or I'm really struggling denying myself in this way. Sometimes I just want to do me. I want to do things that I want to do. 
Um, that's my nature. But I have to remind myself, if, if this was Jesus' request to his disciples before he was about to go to the cross, what point is he making to, to us, his followers, about what's most important? What point is he making to you about your prayer life? Jesus prayed for God's will to be done. He said, Lord, please take this cup from me. But he knew that even as he prayed, it may not be answered the way he, he thought or liked in the moment. That didn't change the fact that he stopped praying or he stopped having faith. But God's response to our prayers should not affect our petitioning to him. There's a big difference. You know, for 10 years, I pray for God to give me clarity for you to, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life? I feel so insecure. I feel so distracted, so confused. Um, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I've asked every expert. <laughs> I've gotten so much advice. And I feel like, God, after 10 years, you're just not answering my prayer. Am I not righteous? Am I not this or that? And God, and God dealt with me for a year because you know what? I learned that it's not that God doesn't answer prayers. It's just not what I wanted. It's not what I thought. So therefore I said in my mind, God, you didn't answer it. What's wrong with you? Why am I still struggling with the same thing? The same confusion for 10 years. The same insecurity for 10 years. I'm getting older. And you can take that and apply it to your life however way you, you want. But Jesus prayed for God's will to be done. And that's what we should be praying for, is God's will to be done. Um, well, how do, you, how, do, how do I know that we should continue praying? Well, I know that because in Matthew 6 it says that God already knows what we should pray for before we pray it. And I think God knows that in our anxiety, in our flesh, that sometimes we can feel anxious. We can feel fearful. And his remedy is prayer. His remedy is helping us um, to pray. Has anyone ever prayed and then when they were done, no matter what they were praying about, felt way more surrendered? Even though there was no answer in the moment, even though you didn't leave necessarily feeling I could say this is what we're going to do, just the fact that you prayed changed your heart. Well, that's how God works against anxiety and fear. He says, be anxious for nothing. If Jesus relied on prayer to keep his faith strong, how much more should we value our prayer time? Um, this is a burning building. And you see a bunch of firefighters trying to put it out, put out a big fire. This building's gone, by the way. It, it, didn't, it didn't make it. But you see people trying desperately to fix it, to save it. You see all the firefighters um, and I, I thought this was a really cool picture because sometimes this can be what our, our walk and our temple is like. We can be on fire for various reasons. We can be just in a time of your life right now where you're just like caught up in so much 
that you feel like you're on fire. There's a crisis going on. It could be even spiritually. It could be even something that's going on right now amongst other people here. You can feel like you're just on fire. Well, I think this is called crisis mode. And God hears those prayers. But remember in Matthew 6, he says he knows what we need to pray for. He knows what we need already. He's already working on how to fix it. Um, this picture challenged me because what I see in myself, what I have to fight so desperately hard to not do is to just be a crisis management prayer. Have a prayer like that just only fixes all the crises and leaks and when something goes wrong, now I need you. I think God wants so much more for us than just to manage our crises. He wants something so much deeper. He's so much bigger. I'm daring you to dream. What would our church look like if this was our hallmark characteristic? If we prayed, if we depended on God, if we petitioned him, if we said this is what we're about first. So, like I said in the beginning, if you, if you don't have a prayer life, I want to encourage you to start praying. Open your mouth and speak. If you need someone to help you, there's plenty of people here um, who love to pray with you. We like praying with people. We like sharing our stories. We like sharing how God's changed our lives. And if you say, you know what, I think I'm doing all right in this area, I want to challenge you to help someone else who isn't. Ask the deep question. You know, a lot of times brothers get together and I'm like, how you doing, bro? Fine, good. Or they'll ask me, and I've been challenged not to be so, like, surface level. It's okay, how am I really doing? What's it, what's it really like? Um, well, part of me wants to fix the problem. So my brain automatically goes, to, well, let's just figure out how we're going to change this. What I've been challenged with is let's go to God first. Let's throw all the chips to heaven and see what falls down. Let's not be surfacey. Let's, let's be a family that's known for its prayer because there's power in prayer. Amen.